Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here on Movie Beat. I am so glad you're listening today, whether you're live or recorded. The very same link you use to listen live is the same link you use to share the show, because that will be access. That will give you access to the recorded show. And today, my guest is a really fascinating, wonderful guy. He's been on the show, I think, three times before, uh, but a number of years ago. So we're catching up with director, screenwriter Lance Cowis. And one of the the big things he's done, and we're here going to have you talk about, is called the Revenge of the Mask. And so, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about Lance. Lance is a director. He's got a passion for writing screenplays and directing. He spent 10 years writing 30 screenplays, which earned him 19 National Screenplay Competition Awards and opened the door for him to direct indie films. His films include the horror feature Silent Scream, a true mob story, Street Boss, a children's movie, The Deported. His fourth was a drama action, Restitution. And recent projects include his Revenge of the Mask film, which has 39.8 million views on the internet. I mean, amazing, right? He's produced the entire, he produced the entire series and, uh, and, and recently a high-end commercial that has won 18 Best Commercial Awards from around the world. He's done trailers for Silent War and Odin's Nine, and in, Ed, and in, in the meantime, an award-winning, an award-winning music video. He's developing a script to direct The Violinist with Amory Films, Peanut Butter Falcon, Mudbound, or I mean, Amory Films into Peanut Butter Falcon and Mudbound with producer Zim uh, Zajaros. Lance has directed actors such as Tom Arnold and Mina Sarari, uh, C. Thomas Howell, William Sadler, Talia Shire, Michael Rappaport, Paul Rodriguez, Vincent Pistori, Carmen Argentiano, and Nick Tutura, just to name a few of the people he's worked with. We'll ask him about some of those, too. He's won two Best Feature Film Awards and one nomination for Best Director. He's hired to write scripts for producers and has inked four such writing deals. He holds a BA in finance and banking from the University of Michigan. And his finance background, and this I think is gold. And this is something every film student, every filmmaker needs to consider. Yes, you can go to film school and learn how to make movies, but you should go to business school and learn how to get your features financed. It helps him prepare film budgets. And as a director, he says, I engage in incongruence and nonlinear storytelling, showcasing drama through color and shadow, seen in a multi-layered frame, accentuated through various lighting techniques, arcs, looks, feels, and aesthetics. And that is what I put on the screen. So here he is, director Lance Cowick, screenwriter. Hi, Lance. How are you doing? Hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? Well, I'm well, and I hope you are, and you're safe and healthy and at home and happy. I am uh, safe and happy and thankful in these very, very crazy times. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, and, uh, you know, 10 years from now, uh, people who listen to this or 30 years from now, I mean, we don't know what we will experience between now and then, but for us going through um, self-isolation or shelter at home, um, it's a, it's a different experience. I don't know anybody alive today who's, who's probably gone through something like that, at least in this country. 
I know it's it's an amazing it's an amazing very unique time. I call it it's a reset button because I find light in every tunnel that we're in. Uh, it's a reset button for people to uh, <clears throat> you know rehash, resolve, uh, re- re- recreate, and uh, come out of it hopefully in a better light than how we used to be. Maybe there was things in the past that weren't. The way it's supposed to be, humanity itself uh, to be heading in that direction. So now maybe it could be a reset button, how to be in the future. And this could be a chance for us to come together. Yeah. You're a man after my own heart, Lance, truly, truly. I I mean, I think think these days that crisis or problems or challenges are one or opportunity. And most people, you know, they resist seeing it that way. They go, no, it's a problem. It's bad. You know, but but mm-hmm. this, we have we have plenty of sayings like behind every dark cloud is a silver lining, or when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. You know, but the um, but it it's it's similar. I I liken it to you know your oil indicator or the alarms or alerts on your dashboard that let you know something is amiss and that you need to take it in for service and and see what's wrong and have it fixed before something terrible goes wrong. That that where yeah. we are right now is exactly what you said. It's a, re- a reset or a reboot or an opportunity to change things that aren't working, and help them work better so that our future is is more along the lines of what we want, not what we've had right. accepted. You know, there's no reason right. to live with a broken system. And, and, and the uh, beauty in this is not it's not just it's not just for about one nation anymore. It's about the entire right. world. For the whole you world know, to sort of reset itself. You know what, what's amazing about this? I mean, money is is it's human made. It didn't exist before there were humans. You know, we bartered, we did things, then we came up with an economics. This money is human made. Illness is the great leveler. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor, black or white, man or woman, young or old. It is a leveler and and it affects everyone around the world. And and so uh, I, I I don't know if people realize this, but the beauty of this, and I see it as an artist, I don't know if people, every hospital in the world, especially here in the U.S., has not only nurses and doctors from every ethnicity and every culture and every religion and every sexual orientation saving lives. Exactly. Doesn't I mean, it, it, it's so cool. It truly is cool. Yeah, and I, like and I, every yeah, it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter. It's about human beings, human beings, saving one another. And that's beautiful. Well, and, you know, and some people resist the idea of staying home and they go, you're taking my rights and my freedom. And and I really appreciate the notion that I'm staying home, not for me. I'm staying home for you. I want to make sure that right. you're safe. So I'm not going out to risk your life or my life for that matter. But it's, it's looking out for the people around us instead of just always being focused on ourselves and kind of paying exactly. it forward. It's an, it is an amazing, amazing, potentially an amazing awakening or lightning time. Go ahead. What? It is. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal thing because it doesn't discriminate and you can't discriminate. And people have to help one another. It's like a building that's on fire, 
And what I'm seeing is there's a lot of negativity going around, you know, uh, like p- people putting the blame game. I, it's you know, first you put up the fire, you put out the fire, you save the right. people in the building, and then you sit back and say, hey, okay, how can we make this better? It's not you don't just uh, get into conflict right now. It is no, it's, there's no reason for it right now. We have an enemy called the virus. It's a global enemy, and we all have to come together to beat it. Otherwise, we're done. <laughs> I, I, no, and I, I, I love what you said because you don't. If if the house is burning down, you don't go. Well, they were smoking in bed, so just let it burn. Yeah, you know, people exactly. respond. I, and, I, and and that's what makes me so frustrated sometimes when I'm watching the news. It's like everybody's blaming this, everybody's blaming that. Every, it's not time to blame. It's time for everybody to pull off their sleeves and you know go help and save save the world, basically. Right. Well, and it's, yeah. and it's and it, it, you know, I mean, I, I, people are tuning in because they want to hear about film and your films and you and everything. But we're talking about something that I think, you know, we have an opportunity to address world problems, global problems, local, state, county, federal law in our own country, as well as everybody does around the world. But as as one people, one species, we address things. But what we learn yeah. from this can be applied to everything we do. We learn how to work together better. We learn to work in harmony. We learn to be a team. We learn to cooperate. We learn to, you know, be the kind of people that people want to hang out with. That applies to working on a movie set, you know? So, I mean, in in the projects that we do. So it's, 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 it shouldn't be Even if you want to apply, yeah. Even if you want to apply this to film, right? And then there's going to be a lot of films and a lot of stories written about what's going on now. And on a film set nowadays, it's not just about one ethnicity or one religion or one sexual orientation anymore. Anyway, it's changed in every film set. There's people from every walk of life now. Oh, you know? um, yeah. And, 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 that, and, and that's how it is. And every political persuasion and they need to learn how to get along. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You have to get along. I mean, think about this. We are nothing but dust, space dust on this little pebble that's floating on this vast expanding universe. We're inconsequential if you really think about it. And we have nobody but one another to make this pebble float in the right way in this vast universe. We're space dust. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is true. It is so very true. I'm so happy we're having this conversation. It's been so long since you and I have spoken. And as I've told people <laughs> that you've been a guest, but I'm really happy to have this conversation because it, 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 uh, I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's ripe for the moment, but it's also a conversation that we could have been having all along. And it is a kind of examination that each of us should be doing. You know, the fact that you and I and all the listeners are sitting at home, um, it is a time for reflection and review and to go, you know what, have I been living my life the way I want to, you know, am I true to myself and my values? You know, it's, it's a time to not to get down on yourself. I mean, you know what, some people, go, I don't like what I'm doing, and they get mad at themselves, or they get sad, or they're depressed, and then they become kind of a victim. But to say, if I don't like, if I don't like what I've been doing, well, then I have the opportunity to change that. And if I don't like how my my world is going, well, I have the opportunity to change that. So, And, and, and you, know what, you know what's funny? It's a humbling, actually, experience, because mm-hmm. I don't have to put, wear my watch and put my nice clothes and drive my car it doesn't matter anymore i'm home do you you know what i what i truly enjoy 
Hey, Lance, may I, I don't know. There, you, you, sometimes you're coming and going. I don't know how yeah. uh, your, your voice trails off sometimes. Well, that's much better. You're sounding much better. Talk a little bit more so I can actually come. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is a truly humbling experience, in my opinion. That's why it's also a very good reset button where everybody's the same now. We're all home in our PJs or shorts or whatever. And you don't have to dress up. You don't have to comb your hair. <laughs> you just sit Indeed. back and reflect and do whatever you can. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, you know what I really enjoy? And I don't normally watch late night talk shows. I'm busy. I'm doing other stuff. But I'm watching Colbert and Kimmel and Fallon. And I'm watch, I watch the Saturday Night Live. And it's, it's great. I mean, I'm seeing people in their homes and where they choose to shoot. And some are choosing an attic or a garage or a corner. Sometimes it's lavish, sometimes it's sparse. Um, sometimes they're, you know, more dressed up than others. Or the, you know, at, uh, the other night I was watching, uh, who was it, Matthew McConaughey and Stephen Colbert? They're drinking whiskey, you know, and, uh, yeah. and just talk, talking on on your Skype or Zoom or whatever platform they use, and uh, and bringing a show to the people um, from their homes. I mean, when in the history of the our world, have we ever yeah. gotten that peak? I know. It's, 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 that's why I said there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I believe <laughs> it. And there's a lot of hope. Um, maybe, like I said, it could be the equalizer where we just realize that we're nothing but, like I said, space dust where we're all, all the same. We are all the same. Seriously. Well, and that is true. And yes, we're going to get through it. And uh, the world may be a little bit different than what we're used to, but change is inevitable. It was, it's different than it was 100 years ago, even 10 years ago. I mean, look at what I was changed in the last number of years with the Internet. So it, it changes, you know, it's yeah normal. You know, it's yeah. it's normal. And, and and if anything, we learn that we can adapt and, and adjust and, and make it through. So uh, I want to tell the listeners, because I'm home, I have the opportunity for my dogs to bark at me. And for some reason, whenever I get on the computer or active, they decide they're going to bark and they're going to say, I have to go to the bathroom. And then I'll let them out and they won't do anything. They just, they're gaslighting me. So because I'm not, I'm not attending to them. So I I just, sometimes I will mute myself so that you don't have to hear the dog barking. Um, but Lance, again, I'm so thrilled. I'm glad we had this conversation and, and we can continue to discuss it because it is absolutely relevant. But I do want to get into um, your projects and, and what you've done and, and, and where people can see things right now. Because you've got on YouTube, you've got uh, uh, Revenge of the Mass, which did you know, up to 40 million hits of views. Um, so I think let's, uh, let's uh, talk about some of your where people can consume your, yeah. your, your content. Yeah, my latest um, ad- film adventure, I call them adventures. Um, yeah, it's the uh, YouTube channel uh, that we created, me and my two par- other partners, um, Dylan Sides and his wife, Christina. We created this around two years ago, um, and it's just, it just blossomed into this huge YouTube um, watch, watch, you know, with the views, it's like it started with a million, then two million. And now it's at 43 point something million as of today with more than a hundred. Yeah, I think I just accidentally, Lance, just take it back a bit. I heard 43 million. I think I hit your mute button. So um, Um, what you said, it had 43 million and then something about a hundred. Yeah, we, yeah, we just, it hit 43 point something million as of today 
Um, and we have around 140, 100, no, sorry, 153,000 subscribers. Wow. That's a, on, YouTube, that's imp- on YouTube. Yeah, that's on YouTube, impressive. which is very difficult. It's more difficult than Instagram, yeah. And these are actual subscribers, and um, they're based, the YouTube channel is mostly about the projects that Dylan and I produce, and the most famous ones are the uh, Revenge of the Mask, Rise of the Mask um, project based on the, <clears throat> the first one was based on the mask, uh, people are familiar with that movie, but we took it into the darker side of it where we followed the actual comic version of it, because the actual comic version of the mask was not comical at all, like the Jim Carrey one was actually a darker version, and we created Indeed. this series, short series. Um, and it sort of took off, and we were about to release the second installment for one of the videos, which is based on the Norse mythology uh, of uh, Odin. I don't know if people are familiar with Odin and Loki. Um, but yeah, the first one was, had, in the, in the channel, had, has right now around 23 million hits, and we're about to hit, uh, release the second, uh, which is the prequel to the first one. It's a 30-minute movie for the channel, and we're very excited about it. I think that's going to be a big, big, um, big, a very big thing for us on the channel because it has a lot of followers and people are expecting it. So it'll be nice, it'll be nice to see how that will, you know, bring bring about the viewers and how that will increase the channel too. We're very excited okay. about it. It's called it's That's called it. Rise of Odin's Nine, and that will be released end of April on our channel. And uh, the channel is called uh, Revenge of the Mask Film on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and press Revenge of the Mask Film, it's an upside-down sort of uh, emblem of a mask. <clears throat> so, and then you just watch whatever is there. You'll see what, you know, you can see the trailers. You can see the original films. And then we're about to release, like I said, end of April, the second installment for Rise of the Mask. So very excited That's, about it. And um, go ahead. Yeah, um, and it's all done independently. This is why I'm encouraging a lot of independent filmmakers. You know, there's no studio involved in this. Um, it's our money. It's our wardrobe team. It's our prosthetics team. Our sound team. Our editors. Our all here in, in the state of Michigan. Um, of pulling their sleeves and sort of contributing to the passion of film. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Very, very exciting. And, and I want to talk to you about how you got it, how you produce it and everything else. And, and whether it's a half hour or three hours, it doesn't matter. You, you put the same amount of work and effort into doing uh, a half hour film as you would a longer film. I mean, you know, and yeah. I don't know if people understand, you know, the level of commitment it takes to do a project and or to do a series like you're doing. Uh, but let me ask you this, because I know that there are listeners out there, myself included, going, how do you get 40 million hits? I mean, and, and 150,000 subscribers. Was there anything that you did? Was it, is it the, is it the, do you think no, it's the name? Was, or did you, did you was, do, do it? No, there was you, absolutely no ad- advertising. I think there's a fan base. There's a fan base that people just love uh, the mask globally. Um, so people just, you just, and then it became word of mouth and then, um, to be done independently, I guess was encouraging. Um, and doing you're, you're studio, fitting out. Hello. 
Hi, you're back. Sounds yeah, you, yeah. Um, So, yeah, to be done independently, which was very encouraging because, uh, you know, a lot of independent filmmakers are saying, well, what can I do? Well, it's, it, could be, it could happen. We were lucky that, you know, it has a high IP. It has, you know, people just love the mask. I know other people who do fan-based films also, like people are trying to do The Crow. Uh, there's other films, like I know a guy trying to do something to do with the... Um, one of those superheroes, I can't remember his name also, all independently, and they're just fan-based movies. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have big actors or anything, but people love them. I mean, since April 1st, since April 1st till now, because I guess it's because of the corona, which is an indicator to the film industry, we gained 2.3 million hits over on top of 40. So now, like I said, we're on 43 million so in just 12, 13 days. Wow. So that's wow. a huge number, yeah. Because people are hit home and not going, I guess people are not going to the movies. I guess people are binge watching Netflix or binge, and they're searching on the internet what they can see, what they can see. But we, we gained, yeah, around 2.3 million views, which is huge for in less than a month. That is, that, well, it's impressive. It's, it's outstanding. Um, let, so let me ask you this. How did it come about? How did you end up choosing to do uh, the MASH well, and, and S series? Well, my friend Dylan, Dylan Sides, who was the sort of the originator of the idea, he is a, a nerd, a comic book nerd. And he approached me. He said, Lance, listen, I want to do this as a fan-based movie. And I want you to direct it. Can you help me? Can you help me do this? Can you? And I ended up becoming also a producer. So I said, well, you, how much money do you have? And he didn't have enough. So I had to put some money. He put, well, he put bulk of the money. I put some of the money. And that's why we're co-owners of the channel. Um, so I direct the series. He produces them. And he's also a prosthetics guy. And his wife does all the wardrobe. So it sort of worked out. And then I bought in my friends who are filmmakers. He bought his friends who are filmmakers. And all of a sudden, it's a community effect event and we started making these movies <laughs> so it worked out pretty well well i will say it sounds it sounds absolutely amazing and i know that there are people going wow well I, i'd love to do that you know and, and figure out what yeah. you did so that so i, I appreciate you sharing that but but the thing is we don't we don't shoot on regular cameras either we shoot an actual film camera we shoot with the re i don't know if people are familiar with the cameras and if we shoot with actual Ari, Ari's, Ari Alexa Mini and the Ari LF, which is the, which is the quintessential top-notch cameras that filmmakers in Los Angeles use. So that's right. why the quality is so good. Um, and it's shot through the eyes of our master DP. His name is Istvan Letang. Um, he is a, an excellent cinematographer. And um, we're blessed with him. So we have great gaffers because you can't tell stories without good lighting. We have good sound people because the sound has to be crispy. We have a great composer called Pierre Boucher. He's actually from Switzerland. So, so like I said, we have a good, a very good team. And then we have local actors who are very good. We put them in there. And it just, it just manifested into this thing that people love to watch and all over, all over the world, actually. That's really impressive. Which is a, and you- yeah, which is encouraging for small filmmakers because for small filmmakers, they think, oh, I'm confined. I can't do this. I can't. Actually, you can because you have access now, you know, YouTube and Instagram. And you can go create anything you want, that's, but it has to be high quality. 
and just put it out there and see if it fly. And if it doesn't work, keep trying. Don't forget, this doesn't. This didn't happen to me for me overnight. This, you know, I've been, as you know, I've been at this for <laughs> 17, Indeed. 15 years. Well, and I think yeah. we met back around 2009, and we met through a, mm-hmm. a mutual friend, Susan Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, so I mean, you know, you know, it's what 11 years that I've known you, you know, and and I, and you yeah. were doing it before we met. So, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know, things don't happen overnight, but sometimes they do, and it's just the way the world works now, with because of the uh, because of people just love love, you know. There's YouTube, there's Hulu, there's Netflix, there's uh, now there's uh, TikTok. There's you know there was at one point there was Vine. People were discovered over Vine, if you remember, these silly three second videos that made a lot of Instagram. They call them Instagram sensation, sensation where people have a lot of followers. And that translated into making money. And it's a whole different way of making video. Really. Well, it's great technology, what you can do. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And, and the other thing that is interesting, what you said, and we started talking about being, you know, um, safe at home and sheltered at home or self-isolated. But, but you brought up the point that during this crisis time, you know, um, people are – really digesting content on, on the internet, either through Hulu or YouTube or Netflix or whatever. So it should give hope, you know, and you've got 2 million views in a couple of weeks, you know, uh, so it's, it, you know, who knows how many more fans you'll have as a result of what's going on right now, because of the content that you have out there and the content that you're releasing and what that will mean once you can go back out and continue to make movies and how, how your career can be moved forward with what appears well, to be, you know, an issue, you know, goes back yeah, to yeah, being I mean, an opportunity. It, it, anything helps, believe me, any little thing helps. I mean, this helps because, you know, there's people now in LA and there's a couple of big producers in New York that are seeing what I'm doing on a small scale. Right. So what if they fund me on a bigger scale? And I swear just before the virus, <laughs> I I was flown to. We're Vegas. losing. We're losing you, you again. We're losing phone quality. I don't know if you're on a headset or you're holding the phone or what, but it, it's coming and I going. Can, I'm, I'm holding. Is this better? Yeah, I guess you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's better. Um, I was flown to Vegas before this by a producer. Now it's not. Flown to. It's not doing good now. Is that what you're saying? It just kind of comes and goes. I mean, we can hear you. It just it just gets quiet because the the sound isn't as as loud as when you okay. speak directly. Into, there, there. I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm gonna try to come next to a window. Maybe that will help. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was flown to Vegas um, by a producer. I, I don't want to mention them. And then to another studio in Florida. And then I came back to Michigan, and I had like a close to a two picture deal, feature films based on the work that I have done and I've been doing. And these are all shorts. So I hope once this virus goes away, these producers will bring me back and we can start again to do, yeah, I was commissioned to do two feature films. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's very cool. Well, and Mm -hmm. you've done feature films in your past. Yes, I have. I have, but it's like everything is like a learning process. The films that you did before 
are not the same as what you're doing now because you become better with each film and with time, just like wine. So the, the, like my shorts now are far better than even the films that I've done before. Far better. Quality, the way I direct, the way I write, because that's what happens with a filmmaker. It's a, you become better with time. You know, you, your experiences, you mature. And um, so that's how, where I was heading. I was heading back into the feature film um, area, but then the virus hit us, so everything now is back, you know, on standstill until further notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, very, very cool. Um, so let's, oops, that's actually your movie. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about, again about, you know, um, from inception. Once once the idea, um, uh, the seed was planted to do the, you know, Revenge of the Mask or, or do this, the series, how did, what did you do to develop it at that point? I mean, you said you brought people together and everything else, but, but in terms of the writing and 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 uh, yeah, making it happen, this, the, the idea was written by, of course, the script was written by Dylan, the first one, and then his wife wrote the second one, the the Rise of the Mask series. Because there's two: there's Revenge of the Mask and there's Rise of the Mask. <clears throat> Rise of the Mask is more the Vikings, the, the historical, whereas Revenge of the Mask is more the modern. So they were written by them. And then, you know, we, we banter ideas, we talk about them, we develop them together, and then we put the money together, and then that's it. I mean, we have an in-house team, basically, of the prosthetics. He does the prosthetics and the special makeup effects. We have our own DP. Like I said, he shoots everything with our, the, the, the Ari Alexa film cameras. We have our own gaffer team. We have our own sound team. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, it's just a bunch of passionate filmmakers that just come together. Hey, let's go. We, we got the money. Let's put a schedule together. We have an AD, we have a line producer and then that's it. And then so we have a lot of PAs come from the local universities because I sometimes give lectures at a university called Wayne state university. And they, you know, they have a lot of students and film who want to come in and film. They, they get their start and I give them a start and, so it, it all manifested into this beautiful uh, machine, and we're all friends. It's really cool. So, so yeah. I just want I want people to know. Well, I, and I want to continue with this, but I just want people to know that they go to Revenge of the Mask Film on YouTube and they subscribe. Um, what you have there are Q and As. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah. different different talking about the film trailers. And, and and other items that they can see. So there's a, a yeah. Revenge of the Mask Q&A with you and with other people, and um, and so they can look around and they can and they can you know digest your content that way. Um, and then how did they see Rise of the Mask or Revenge of the Mask? Okay, Revenge of the Mask is in there. The first one, it has around 8.3, 8.4 million views. It's in the channel. You just have to look for it. And then um, if you go to videos, it's right there. And then Rise of the Mask, the first one, it's a seven-minute short. That has yeah, okay. 20, mm-hmm. 23, 24 million views. Yeah, you, go to, you have to go to videos, and you see all the videos that are there. And then you see the trailers. And you can see, actually, the latest trailer, which is Rise of Odin's 9. We just released right. it maybe 10 days ago. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's about to hit around 10,000. No, 70,000 70, hits. Yeah, 76,000. Um, 76, um, yeah, eight hundred and twenty-five as of now, and it premiered uh, March twentieth. So, yeah, very, yeah. very cool. So, yeah, so that's gaining traction. So that's the latest thing we just released uh, is that trailer, and the film for that should be up on the channel, hopefully by the end of April, and people can watch it. We'll do a premiere on the internet, say hey, it's premiering, and so all the fans will watch it. And that's around thirty minutes. Thirty minute movie. It looks. They, I mean, they look great. You know. I mean, it really is. It's great to think that they're being. You know. I mean, I suppose it could be the Ukraine or it could be Michigan. I mean, you you just don't know. But I mean, it's this fantasy world. It looks wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that we shoot. We shoot stu- like studio within the limits of our budget. <laughs> because I remember, I remember the first one that we did, the first trailer for Revenge of the Mask. The first, it's in the channel. I think it's it's got around nine point something million views. Just the trailer. People were asking if this was done by a studio in Los Angeles. So, which was very encouraging. You know, and then no, again, this is all done independently. This is all done independently. It's really very cool. Very very cool. Yeah. Um, and and it, and what you demonstrate. Well, one, I mean, you bring your expertise and your experience and, and your your knowledge, you know, to 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 doing this. But you yeah. know, you, you 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 both you and your partner seized on an idea and you brought it to life and uh, you know and uh, you're making good things happen and uh, that's that's very very cool and, and it, it's hopeful for everyone else who would like you, to do this, something. Yeah, this is the wave of the future too. The internet, uh, people. You know, and it's, it is sad. It is sad that people aren't frequently frequenting the movie theaters like they used to. <clears throat> and now, even with this Corona thing, people aren't going to be rushing back to the movie theaters anytime soon either. Which is again, again, it's very sad. <clears throat> so what are they going to do? They're binge watching. So they're binge watching on their TV, Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, right. et cetera, et cetera. And that's the wave. That's the wave of the future. Well, it it truly is, and it's amazing because I, I I think we had a conversation like this with um, you know a few of my former guests. There was Michael Seibel, we've had uh, Michael Pfeiffer and Rod Lurie, other directors on as well. Um, and and I, but I don't remember which particular person, or if we did it all three uh, that I just mentioned or others. Um, the uh, the notion that many people thought that you know Facebook and LinkedIn we're going to go through the roof at this time and that people will be connecting that way, but that, that use is actually down and the use of uh, Hulu and Amazon prime and streaming video and YouTube and all that is actually way up. Um, yeah. So it, it, For sure. Like it, know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, a, it's the times and that's how it is. People are preferring to stay home and downloading, watching movies. We used to well, go to blockbuster at one point and that doesn't exist anymore. That's true. But you know what What I would liken this to, and that is during the Depression, there was a rise in movie going and there was a rise in, in entertainment movies and things like that, you know, and comedies and musicals to get people outside of their their issues and their woes. Um, what it, this should inform us because, it, you know, entertainment is America's number one global 
export, and yet it's oftentimes treated um, as if it's not anything at all. They cut the arts programs, they cut dancing, singing, you know, acting lessons, theater, drama, you know, whatever, in schools and universities and in social programs and whatever, and 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 don't realize that at at times of um, crisis or at times that change that people go to the movies. They they go to get. I mean, I I see people go. Okay, I'm done with this on Facebook. I'm going to go veg. I'm just going to watch TV. Uh, you know, they 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 want the distraction in some ways. Now, the other good news is that they can also learn something at this time. They can use it to to learn to self develop. They can watch documentaries and things that will inform them or do programs that assist them in in changing things. Do college courses and things online that they might not have otherwise done. Um, but the uh, the availability the internet is amazing i'm just surprised that it hasn't crashed you know that that i still have wi-fi and um and and that it hasn't you know suddenly gone okay i'm sorry the grid went down no man that would be disastrous too if that happens where people lose their internet because that's this is it this is how we're communicating with the world you and i yeah right now can talk on a phone and then we can watch our stuff right away from home, we don't have to go to the movie theater. We don't have to go down the street. We can just click on a button and then we can watch. It's it's so much comfortable. It makes it so much easier. No, it's it's very true. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I want to I want to piggyback on that, but but in a different way, and 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 just say, we do have the internet. And it is how we communicate. I, you know, I, I I speak to my daughter by phone or my son. You know, family members. You know, we can Zoom, we can Skype, we can do you know whatever we're talking right now. Uh, we can text and, you know, messenger and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's amazing, you know, in Italy, when this thing happened, the people singing on the balcony the other day, I was watching something and they were, it was a city and they were flashing their lights on and off in a kind of a communicative show of support. Uh, people are going out and, and six or eight feet apart doing dancing and, and kind of like flash mobs, but they're just social distance. You know, it's um, so there, it's it's inspiring at these times, the different ways that people are finding to communicate and to uplift each other and to stay and that's why connected. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just can say, and they're staying connected, even though they're at distance from each other. Yes. And that's the beauty of humanity. We're humans right. at the end of the day, <laughs> no matter what you need to have human connection. There's a saying, you know, heaven without people is like hell. Well, it's a good saying. And and I, yeah. and I want to say we're you know the sad part is we're humans at the end of the day, but it would be nice if people would remember it at the beginning of the day. Yes, and and, st- and start out paying it for. But you know what YouTube has done? Uh, a friend of mine and I wanted to do this. We have yet to do it. We I've done one for somebody else where I directed a, a short, but but we had wanted to do. You know, you see some of these two or three minute videos on YouTube that were inspiring. You know, the, the little kid that can't afford something and somebody pays for his education or, you know, I, I can't even think of the, the number. They've, they've brought tears to my eyes. They've made me laugh. They've made me cry. Um, but these inspirational videos from around the world um, that, that filmmakers are doing, sometimes amateurs, sometimes professionals, that are touching and delivering, you know, a human message that says, you know, we're all in it together and uh, be kind to one another or you know, be compassionate, take care of each other because we're, we're really all we have. So, um, so it's, it's, it's interesting what this is all given rise to, excuse me, I forgot to silence my phone. 
uh, so it's cool that 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 uh, that right now you know um, you are already on a medium that is that is um, becoming more and more populated. I mean that that is a great you know what I'm saying is it's people can get on now, but but you're there already, so that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't see it coming, by the way. It just this was a total fluke. We didn't see the, how popular because we are the number one most watched YouTube channel in the history of Michigan ever. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, which that's is, cool. It's crazy. And, but that's, you know, we're bigger than any because, but again, it was done by a bunch of just local passionate filmmakers, basically. Well, but, but the word that you put in there was passionate, and I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, this isn't financed by a studio. This is our own money, our own savings. <laughs> this is, you know, we risked it. Um, right. And now the payback is these advertisers are putting the advertising on the channel, and we're not getting what we have spent, but at least it pays some type of, it's called Google. Google pays you because of the viewerships that you have. Um, they they pay you a little bit of money. <laughs> It's it's comical, but at least hey, you are making something that you created through art, right? And that's you know it's encouraging. Yeah, yeah, it is encouraging. <laughs> and then now we're starting something else. We are putting another movie in there. Hopefully by by the summer, it's called Silent War, which is has nothing to do with the fantastical world. It is it is has nothing to do with with you know superheroes or anything. This is an actual real movie about another problem that, you know, um, it's, it deals with the military, uh, with suicide and, uh, and uh, PTSD in the military. So it's a real movie that we shot with the same team. Um, and it's about uh, an entire platoon that got ambushed in Iraq and how they have to survive. And they come back home. And it's a real movie. Totally different from the fantastical world that we created with the mask. So we wanted to show the world that we could do also different types of movies, not just, you know, fantastic, fantastical type of genres. We do actually real movies too, with real stories. And we're very excited about it. The teaser is on the channel too. And it's called so Silent War. It, but they can see it at the Revenge of the Mask film, the, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The channel, the, the channel you just for described. the resident. yeah, yeah, and that will be that movie will be released in the summer. It's it's around forty minutes, um, highly dramatic, very real, tearjerker, and it deals with a big problem in the military, which is you know PTSD and suicide, which is huge. You know, suicide is a very big thing in the U.S. and in the world nowadays. Um, so That's yeah, we're really very cool. proud of that piece. Yeah. Very, very cool. I'm happy to hear that. Um, and exciting to know, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, um, go ahead. Well, did you shoot the, uh, the, uh, the Silent War in Michigan as well? Yes, yes. We shot it in Michigan with the same team, same cameras. Pretty much the same team that we took from the Revenge series. We went and shot um, Silent War. We also bought the wardrobe to put it together. We funded it on our own. We, you know, we paid for the Humvees. We paid for the um, pyro team, all local. 
All local. If you see the trailer, the teaser, sorry, not the trailer. The trailer comes out in a month, but the teaser right now is on the channel. Uh, you'll see um, a little bit of, of what it's about. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Well, let yeah, me yeah. ask we're, you this. We're very we, proud of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Let me, let, me, let me check the time. We've got about 15 minutes before I'm going to take a, 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 a kind of a station identification. Let me ask you, you know, in, in, in introducing you, I said you had a degree in finance and that it helped you in budgeting and things like that. Can we, can we discuss that and talk about the, you know, cause I oftentimes, I mean, I taught at the university here and, and uh, I often in the film department, and I recommended people take business classes so that they could understand the, the film business finance, you know, how to finance your films and to do what you, you talk about, you know, how to budget films. So, um, yes. Do you have recommendations? It's, yeah, I mean, listen, um, I went to school, got a BBA in banking and finance with the University of Michigan. Any type of education, if you really think it's going to help you, whether you get a degree in psychology, I'm talking about film too, psychology or theater or history or in the arts, it's going to help you because you know, your brain needs to have some type of ammo, everything to become a filmmaker. You just do. You need to be very agile nowadays. Like nowadays, filmmakers can't just be one faceted type of filmmaker. You have to be a writer. You have to know about editing. You have to know about color. You have to know about music. You have to know about lighting. You have to know about CG world, the CG world, which is huge. The CGI world, you know, you have to know about prosthetics, wardrobe. So you have to have knowledge in everything. But over and above that, you have to know, you have to have the knowledge of the money. Because without money, you really can't make a movie. And for me, yes, I do budget myself. I budget, I put budgets together in order for me to know where every line item from everything that we're doing, where it's going, all the money, like how much a a piece of wardrobe is going to cost, you know, how much, you know, a shoe, like with the movie, the war movie, you know, all these guns, plastic guns that we had to buy, you know, all the bullets, all like the Humvee, how much it costs the actors, the food. So you have to put that all in, in an income statement. And, you know, like in a, it's called a top sheet budget. So having a finance degree helped me because then you know about aspects of money. When you take, if you take money from investors, you know, how do you pay them back? Right? Where right. is that money going to come from? From what sales? So you, you have to have some type of knowledge of money, the flow of money. Because the number one and most important thing about film also is money. You need money to make a movie. There's no way. It's whether you're going to rent equipment, whether you're going to rent lights. Like, you know, if you want to HMI, the HMI lights that you're going to rent, they're not cheap. You know, you have to go to rental houses and you have to rent those money. Where does money come from and how are you going to pay it back if it's not yours? We've been fortunate with the, with the revenge series because it's our money. And it's hurtful because that money may never come back. <laughs> Well, maybe right. maybe in ten years down the road, after Google pays, maybe maybe we'll make our money back. But what does this give us? Give us knowledge of how to deal with the budgets, you know, how to really be minimalistic, where we can save costs here and there, which is very important in film. Um, and hopefully, one day a studio will look at us and say, "Shit, these guys know how to not waste money." Because a lot of money is being wasted out there in big movies where they never see the light of day. You could go right now anywhere, check the internet, all the big blockbusters, all these big movies that are spending millions and millions of, money, of dollars that they never see the light of day of money. They go from 
right away into VOD. Right? right? Big movies with big stars. I don't want to name films right now, but sure. mm-hmm. you can see them on the internet. They, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars and then right away it's go VOD and they never make that money back. Um, so I think there's going to be a wave in the future where studios are going to be very, very savvy. They have to be savvier. So that's why I'm encouraging all these independent filmmakers to be very savvy with their money because one day a producer is going to be saying, like, why should I spend 10 million bucks on a movie when I could go to Lance and his team and spend 2 million bucks, 3 million bucks? Even five million dollars. Well, right. I think what it's right, and I think what you're saying too is that, and this is why I encourage people. One, I encourage most people to make union pictures if they can. At least use SAG if you can't use, you know, uh, you know, union crews. But, but, and and one of the reasons why I encourage that, and of course, people will challenge me on that, but um, is because you have to follow certain guidelines and rules and protocols, and you. You know, and you're penalized, but but the people who've been in this business for the last 60, 70 years um, that there has been unions uh, know if you've done the same thing, they know what you had to go through. So so yeah. if you've done a, a SAG film or you've used no name talent, they know that you didn't. You know, you you're 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 a contender at least. If you do a good movie, that's mm-hmm. different than if you do a sucky movie that you know one that doesn't work. Right. But, but well, my, either way, my, either way, whether you use your union or not, union or not, you're going to make I mean, a movie for ten, ten million dollar movie or a five million dollar movie. You have to use union people anyway. But why spend ten million when you can spend five? Well, this is this is cut the cost. Point. Right, and this is my point that I was uh, was coming to on that, and that is that if you're going to go union, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of money. People don't want to hear you say, "I made a movie for nothing." Because nobody mm-hmm. really makes a movie for nothing, and they don't trust Doesn't somebody exist. who. Yeah, well, not only mm-hmm. that, but but they want to know somebody who like you who can make a movie for a quality movie with a smaller budget and get the stuff on the screen, so that they don't mm-hmm. have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to do the same thing that you've done for a lot less. They can look right. at something that you have done, or you know, a colleague who has actually either raised money or spent their own money, and they've allocated it, and they've delivered a project and then they've got some form of release or they've got an audience. I mean, I know that there are people who today who have a movie that comes out and it bombs, but that's not so bad. That's, that's because anything can bomb. You know, uh, I had a, yeah. a friend who, who had a TV, who was making her television debut on a soap opera and Reagan was shot. And so they preempted her, yeah. her debut. It happened a week later, but, but you know, you can't control certain things. So you, you can't control, control it. Yeah. But but what mm-hmm. you can control and what's really cool and what you're talking about is you can take charge of your career. When I grew up, came up through the film industry, it was it was highly departmentalized and specialized. I, I knew enough to do one thing. You know, I could act mm-hmm. and or I might direct. But nowadays you really do need to know all sorts of things like you like you mm-hmm. were uh, uh, talking about earlier. And so it, it, it is a benefit to the person to to learn finance, learn how to, you know, mm-hmm. get money from people, learn mm-hmm. how to distribute, because you're in charge of your own product now. You know, it's right. no different right. than if you manufacture a pair of shoes and have to take it to market. You have to find, you know, a way of getting those shoes to somebody else. But now you've got something right. with a lot of moving parts. <laughs> on, on, on my team, the DP is also an editor. Dylan is also an editor. Uh-huh. Two of the actors are also editors, and two of the gappers are editors. 
Uh-huh. Cool. So they don't know. It's like I just like I just told you. They're not just one faceted type of filmmaker. They are. They do multiple things. You know, <laughs> my stunt guy is not only an actor and a stunt guy. My stunt guy does the pyro, and he's also an editor. So when I'm in the editing room editing the series, I actually bring them in, <laughs> and we sort of debate it in a very democratic way. You know, which which is which, how and what, and all that stuff. And we all could. It's sort of together it's like a together type of situation where we figure it yeah. out because you know it's because it's better to just have that on your team more talent more you know more advice more and that's why you know it, it's it's a beautiful thing well and you mentioned the word team and i always try not to be the smartest person in the room and and very seldom am i <laughs> there's so many right, people right. smarter no, no, than no. i am you know and uh yeah I, to- yeah, so, I totally get that because, yeah, me too. Me too. I, how do I know this is the best shot? I don't because sometimes I may be biased for my work. But the guys, you know, they advise me. They say, hey, you know, use this, this cut, use that cut. You know, and it's, it's beautiful. I want to give a shout out to my colleagues, my cast members and crew members. I, I was fortunate to work on a uh, Peter Shireko, Michael Pfeiffer movie called Shooting Star last November. And uh, it's in post-production and, and what impressed me about this production, like what you're talking about, is so many of the actors um, also produce their own movies and 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 or direct or they do other things in the film business and or they sometimes the cast members are actually doing crew positions and sometimes the crew positions crew people are doing the acting. I mean, you know, in this case it was a SAG movie, so if they're on camera, they're all SAG members. But the but the point being is that nobody, everybody was a it, it was a team player as far as I was concerned and that I know. And I've made but, but, such wonderful friendships yeah. with people who are so multi-talented. It's really, really exciting. But you have to. You have to because that's the value of your team. If one guy just knows one thing, it's different from one guy who knows three, four things. And if you have sure. four guys who know three, four things, it's different from four guys who know just one thing. It just makes it more deeper, more... There's, there's more... There's, what is it? There's, it's more, there's more depth, you know? Like the lighting crew that I have, all of them, some of them are editors. They're, they're beautiful lighting. There's a, they're, they're, one of them is actually does CG work. So they know, they know how to light for certain situations because they know other things and they help. And you ask them for advice and they give you the right advice. It's not just one thing. And it's very important for people to get their hands wet with different things in film, not just one thing. You know? Very, very cool. Very true. I'll tell you what, I'm about five yeah. minutes from, the heart, from, a, from a break, but I'm going to take the break right now, and then we'll come back. So uh, I'm just going to sure. remind people that they go to uh, the YouTube channel and find Revenge of the Mask, the film, and they can subscribe, and it's Lance Cowis, and uh, you're in Michigan, but they can find you there on the internet, and it says over you know, 40 million views, and, uh, and you have other projects there as well. They can look you up, obviously, on IMDb. And um, also, uh, you're listening to Rex Sykes' Movie Beat, and the archived website for for about 500 hours worth of what to do and what not to do uh, when it comes to making movies and television and online content is rexsykes.com that's my name it's r-e-x-s-i-k-e-s.com long story made short somebody tried to hijack my site it the site is now a legacy site but all of the uh discussions that we've had i think up until about 2014 were there or maybe 2009 and blogtalkradio.com it sounds just like it is b-l-o-g Talk, T-L-A-K, radio, R-A-D-I-O, dot com, one word, um, has uh, about 300 of the hours. 
of the most recent going back, you know, 300 shows. And then uh, Apple iTunes has uh, whatever they, whatever their feed will take. Um, the, the disappointing thing with blog talk and, and iTunes was they, they could put a thousand hours up there, but they didn't. They, I think they put 300. So um, you can get all between the three different websites. You can get all of the shows. Uh, these shows right now, the one with Lance, uh, my shows with Michael Pfeiffer, uh, Rod Lurie, by the way, uh, who did uh, The Outpost, which will be coming out uh, after the, the virus days are over, um, are all there. My upcoming guest, I believe my very next guest is is Todd Robinson. He's a wonderful guy. He's, his new movie is called The Last Full Measure. It was in theaters. It's now going to be coming out on, on video on demand and, and elsewhere. We're going to be talking to him on Friday, I think is the... 17th. Uh, that's this Friday, the 17th. We'll be talking to Todd Robinson about The Last Full Measure, a marvelous movie. You've got to see it. And, uh, and, uh, and about other things in terms of movie making. So go check out Lance. Go back and listen to my other guests. I've had some really fabulous guests. I, I mentioned Michael Pfeiffer, uh, Peter Shureko, who produced the movie, also acts in the movie. He's a Western historian and author. Uh, and he's been in everything. And uh, he's in Tombstone and, and different movies that you will recognize. And uh, his wife, Susan Shrego, did separate shows. Susan produces TV for the uh, Hallmark Channel. Does 50 uh, hours, uh, 50 weeks a year of television for the uh, um, for the Hallmark Channel. I just want to. Jeff Ohm is a Hollywood, Wisconsin transplant from Wisconsin back to Wisconsin. Special effects, post production. Um, he's worked on you know, billions, billions of dollars worth of the big studio feature films, now producing, directing and, and continuing his career in Wisconsin, but also elsewhere because he's, you know, for hire, you know, he goes where, where he's where he's needed and wanted. Dan Davies is a, a producer, director and uh, a producer, director, actor who um, did Ed Gein, the musical. He's uh, ex enjoying it. An exploding career through Nollywood, the uh, African uh, uh, film, like we have the domestic film market here. It's the African film market. There's Bollywood, which is the Indian film market. Uh, so he's a guest. I, I think I'm missing somebody, but uh, go back and look at the shows. And uh, Michael Pfeiffer will be coming back on the show. Oh, Michael Seibel. Michael Seibel has been, is doing a movie. He did The Wraith. And uh, Michael, a marvelous guy, we did three parts with Michael. We had some technical difficulties. So there's part one, part two, and then part three. But go ahead and listen to them. Fascinating conversations. Um, and uh, I'm having a fascinating time right now with Lance Cowish. And we're going to join him uh, again this moment. So Lance, we're back with you. So Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. So we talk a little bit about... Um, uh, you won 19 film competition awards or screenplay competition awards. And uh, or can you talk about, um, because of that, can you talk about some of the, what you think is important for a screenplay for readability and um, uh, like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm honest. I hate reading. I hate reading screenplays. It's, it's one of the last things in the world I want to do. I, I just I just, I don't like the pipe. <laughs> huh? What? Well, as 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 a film director, I have to read the script. No, I, and well, it has and, to make sense to me. <laughs> well, no, exactly, and but that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, a, a a marvelous friend of mine is Christopher Lockhart, 
And Christopher is a story uh, editor at William Morris. And his job, really, I mean, he reads, you know, he's like 30,000 screenplays or more, is, is reading the, the top screenplays in the world by the top writers and then presenting them to the top talent at, at William Morris Endeavor. And, and uh, so he reads everything. Uh, that's good. You know, I mean, and, 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 I mean, it could be crap coming from a good writer, but it, he reads the top of the top. And uh, right. I don't, I don't, nobody, none of the top writers are sending me their screenplays. So, but, but, but I can read them later because they, you know, a lot of these things end up online. And, and what right. I'm getting at is that a screenplay, I mean, I can read a book. I love reading fiction. I love it. But when I read a screenplay, it just, I just don't like it. And uh, it was, it's right. a format of it. But that's what we use in order to make mm-hmm. our, our, our movies. And there's a, you know, there's a readable script and there's a shooting script. But what mm-hmm. ingredients, what do you think is important in order to make it a page turner? That So somebody like me would uh-huh. want to read it, you know, and, and get engrossed in it. Because I have read some that I go, oh, my God, this is really a good screenplay. And then I read others well, that I go, all... I'm done in two pages, you yeah. know I mean? It's, 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 man, it goes to, you know, again, it's all subjective. Sure. You know, what do you like and what you don't like? I mean, people, there's people who don't like Forrest Gump. <laughs> True. The movie. So, yeah, there's people, I, I love Forrest Gump. There's people who don't like Jerry Maguire, the movie. Right. I, I liked it. You know, there's people who didn't like the King's Speech. I know people sure. who didn't like the King's Speech. But, you know, this Shawshank Redemption, in my opinion, one of the best screenplays of all time. You know, there's people who don't like Shawshank Redemption. Right. I love Shawshank Redemption. It's all subjective. It's very hard to nail, you know, what's a good script or what's not a good script because it's all subjective. You know, the movies that of recent times, you know, there's a movie called Moonlight that came out a couple of years ago that won Best Best Picture. Um, I don't know if you, you, if you remember that movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was made for a million and a half and won Best Picture. You know, people maybe, some people don't like that film. Some people do. Again, it's the same thing with scripts. You know, it's all whatever touches you, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you're inclined to watch. You know, Interstellar was a huge project done by one of the best uh, directors of all time. He did all the Batman series, um, Christopher Nolan. Right. Some people did, some people did not like Interstellar. So it all depends. It depends on what do you like? Do you like history? You, you don't like history? You like geography? You don't like, you like medic, medical stuff? You don't like medical stuff? There's a lot of scripts about hospitals, drama, tsunamis, space. You know, it depends on the genre. Some people like stupid scripts, horror movies. <laughs> it's all out there. It's very, hard to, it's very hard to define what you would like. What you, but the one key element is the dialogue has to be crisp. It has to be intelligent, and it has to have some type of character arcs. You need characters that are intriguing. You need you know, something that you, you know, a character that you identify with, a hero, the anti-hero. Um, the only guy that can get away with long dialogue, I think, is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, he's the only guy. Yeah, I don't, you know, when you read the scripts that he writes, they're huge. Every, there's blocks of dialogue. Um, some people don't like that. Some people do. You know, it's very difficult. There's no defining. You, you just have to know, you know, when you're reading it, are these characters intriguing for you or not? Is the dialogue crisp, quick, and sharp? You know, and no expositions. You know? So it's very hard to ask. 
Well, I was going to say, right. can you explain that when you say no expositions, you know, the show don't tell? How do you, how do you as a screenwriter, um, convey that without, without um, exposition? A little bit of an action you... dialogue. Not in the, in the, you know, you explain that a little, a little bit in the action, you know. And then the actor has to do that because that's, where the, that's, that's the beauty of acting, where they can show anger without yelling where they can show hurt without, you know, uh, screaming, where they can cry without tears. So, you know, the, this, that's beautiful, that's beautiful acting, you know. Um, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. Writing screenplay, a script, that's where everything is. Without a script, you have no movie. And these well, and highly, then- po- high powerful, high powerful screenwriters, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they've, they're masters of their craft because they're minimalistic. Remember the movie Drive? Drive, yes. That's one of my favorite movies because it's so minimalistic. There was hardly any... There's simple dialogue told in a very simple way, but it was very beautiful and intriguing, you know? <laughs> well, you're very, I mean, that's very accurate. You don't, you don't learn much by what they say. You learn much more by what you see and, and, yes, and where it exactly. takes you. Less is, yeah, less is more. Well, and Steve McQueen was known to say, uh, you know, he, whether it was an insecurity in his part or, or whether he was just really smart to cut his lines and go, I don't need to say that. I don't need to say that because he could convey more by being silent and the looks, you know, by, by what he, how he behaved. Exactly. That, that he didn't need to say exactly. it when he spoke. Right. I, I think yeah, it's yeah, funny, exactly. and this is an important thing because a lot of actors, and, and let's, let's, I, I want to come back to writing because I think it's important in terms of there are people out there writing their scripts right now, there are college students writing, they're doing shorts and features and all sorts of stuff, and everybody has their, you know, this is my baby project that I want to make or sell. But the actor now, let's, 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 let's switch. My girls are going to go nuts here. We're, we went outside because they, they started to bark, so I am now sitting out. Yeah. Uh, on the bridge to my home <laughs> and uh, the dogs instead of okay. playing in the yard are like four feet from me you know tearing each other up so uh, in a playful way but um so the actor this is this is this is an important thing in terms of directing communicating with the actor and for an actor to know um, their place a lot of people uh, i see this all the time i've done it myself you get a script or you get some sides and you count your lines or you count your scenes and you go, okay, I mean, I got 57 lines or I'm in five scenes or I'm in or 55 scenes. And I, you know, um, you know, they, they put the emphasis on as if the lines are the thing that makes their performance, not necessarily what they're doing. One of the first movies I ever did was at the time, they don't have that distinction anymore. It's called the silent bit. So I was hired to do this silent bit in a, in a, in a feature film. And uh, and they explained to me, you know, you you don't have any lines, but but this is integral to the plot, and it was, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm with the lead in the movie and you know, doing this thing, um, and and no dialogue was necessary, particularly because of the context where we were. So when right. you're communicating with actors or when you're directing, and you work with actors, what what recommendations do would you give for the actor, uh, in terms of of creating the character and the performance? And then also, if they were well, to audition for you, what do you want to see? Well, for me and, personally, I don't do auditions. <laughs> okay. I give homework. And this way okay. I know the, le- the level of acting that they know. You know, Like most of the people here in Michigan, um, I give them homework 
So they go do the homework, they've self-taped themselves, they send them to me, and I know their levels. Because to go into an audition room is really difficult to really no. tell the truth about an actor. Plus, plus it's so nerve-wracking. It's unfair. <laughs> That's Again, this is my own personal view on this. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm an actor. I'm happy to hear that. No, I mean, uh, you know, I think there's a critical – and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to take a moment here. Mm-hmm. As an actor mm-hmm. – there are those people who know how to audition and who mm-hmm. can't act, but they know how to audition. There are those who know how to audition and can act and who are right. brilliant actors. Right. And then there are those actors right, right. who can really act who have no clue how to audition. Exactly. And, and, or it, it, it freaks them out to have to, to have to right. do that in that context. So what you just said, you know, as, as an actor is, is something that's nice to hear because too often, you know, mm-hmm. we're stuck in a room with a bunch of people who, you get to meet for a minute or two and you do your thing and you leave and then you never hear yes or no or anything, or you do hear yeah. something. So, right. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a well, grueling process for like a lot I of said, people. Yeah. The, the way I do it, like I said, I give male and female actors homework. They go home, they self tape themselves. They usually scenes from movies, either dramatic, comedic or whatever role I'm looking for. And then, you know, and then they go and then this way I know oh, this person, I think would be great for this role because he did this type of performance. So I know I don't have to do the, go through the audition process with everybody. I just give them homework and they, I have a whole roster of people that I know because every actor has a variance, right. you know, and you know, levels, there's levels. Not everybody has that dramatic level, like a trained actor. Mm-hmm. So why bring them into an audition room and let them, be hurt and go through all that nonsense. I, I give them homework and I know their levels and I know where I can place them in the films that I do. <clears throat> now, if I go do bigger movies, <clears throat> then the process will change, but I'll still want to know if, they're, if I haven't seen them and who they are, if I haven't seen their work, if it's not out there, I give them homework. <clears throat> well, I, I, think, I think that's a great thing. I mean, David Lynch you know, sits down with people and talks to them and decides whether or not he thinks they can do the part or not based on the conversation yeah. and who they and who they yeah. are, you know, who shows up. Clint Eastwood just goes, I just hire people I know can do the job. You know, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and, 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 and interestingly enough, some people say, you know, like Eastwood, I, I've never worked with Eastwood, so I don't know, but I mean, people say, you know, he does one or two takes and that's it, or you get one shot and that's, you're yeah. done, you know, you know, and I think, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, it's yeah, everybody higher has their own, yeah, way. everybody has their own way of comfort as a filmmaker this way, I've, I've found my way to be the best way because, you know, I don't have the money to go to L.A. to hunt down for, like, a, a Viola Davis or where I just don't even, you know. And by the way, Viola Davis did a movie called Doubt. Do you remember that movie? And she, right. that was one of her first films. Uh-huh. Um, and she did one scene in that movie. And I swear to you, when I saw that scene, I said, this woman is going to be a big star. So there are no small roles. That's what I'm trying to tell people. If you have one scene and you milk it and you are true to yourself and true to the character that you're written, that's a beautiful thing. And Viola Davis did that in that movie. She was amazing. She had, I think, one scene in the entire movie. And I said to myself, this woman is going to be somebody. And look at where she is right now. Amazing actress. Well, you know, you can go back to Beverly Hills Cop and to uh, yeah. Ronson Pinchot with, you know, Sag, you know, his, his, yeah. his one, maybe two yeah. scenes in the entire movie with, uh, with Eddie Murphy. And it launched an entire career and an entire character that he did in a, 
in a sitcom for a decade or whatever the yeah. run was. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's how it is. There are no small roles. You know, every role is important because it's like a deck of cards. You know, it, it's important to even the PAs are important in the film because without the help of the PAs, it's going to make my life very you know, uncomfortable on set. So I you, thank my PAs. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because one of the first jobs I had was in craft service and I was also working props at the time. And, and uh, But I loved the craft service thing. But my job really was to clean up the cigarette butts, that, you know, and empty the ashtrays at the end of the day and, you know, get the food and the snacks and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you know, and then and then I look at movies. I mean, I, I have this weird thing, and you, I'm sure you, you probably do too. You see, a, you know, a battle scene. You know, and there's all these foxholes dug. Somebody had to go out and dig those foxholes. I mean, nowadays they can, you know, obviously they can computer generate or regenerate, you know, stuff. But, but if you see a ticker tape parade in the old movie, somebody had to, somebody had to dump the ticker tape and somebody had to clean it all up. And, uh, you know, you know, so everybody, 100%. everybody has a, a value and a worth on a set. And don't, I, my thing is, is don't ever think that the person who's shoveling the crap isn't probably the most, you know, uh, a valuable yeah. person there because somebody's going to do it. And if they don't do it, you're standing in crap. So uh, let me tell you something about the food caterer. Yeah. <laughs> How important that guy is. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> when you've worked 16 hours and he doesn't show up. Oh, he's important. <laughs> oh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's like the guy with the key Everybody's to the important. washroom. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Everybody's important. It's a team thing. man. You know, I don't sit in the director's chair. I think it's just, you know, I don't, I don't care. I want to be there with the, in the trenches. <laughs> well, you know, I, so it's, all, I, it's all good. For me. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, 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 it's the collaborative approach. You understand the value of team and you understand, you know, how to make it work. And it sounds like you, you know, you, you surround yourself with people who one you respect in terms of their talent and their, their abilities, but also people who you want to spend your time with. You know, I mean, there are a lot of people who could be talented that I don't want to spend my time with. But they're, you know, but if, but if they're talented, and I spend my time with, boy, I, I, I would love to be around them all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I've been blessed, uh, you know, with this team because we, we're, we became family over the years and um, we're friends. We talk about, we talk to each other on the phone all the time and we're looking forward to when this is out, gone, how we're going to go do our things and do different things and better things. And, you know, this is all a motivator. Like I said, this is a reset button. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, we're all very, very excited about the future. It's the nature of relationships. You know, I mentioned Susan Moses, you know, and um, she she put me in touch with you back, I think, 2009. She was my first guest on Rex Sykes Movie Beat, actually, because I said, I'm launching the show. She said, I'll be a guest. I think we did like six shows. We talked about producing from different that's aspects. Beautiful. And, uh, beautiful. you know, and but uh, so that's, you know, 11 years ago. And uh, I just want to yeah, give a shout yeah. out to her, you know, because I've known her all the years. We haven't been great, in close touch with me. I, I call her my sister. Oh, there you go. We were yeah. born on the same day. Really? September 5th. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same yeah. year? <laughs> no, I don't think same year, but same year. <clears throat> well, that's really awesome. That's very cool. You're, you're yeah, kindred yeah. spirits. Yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah she's sure. an amazing, she's an amazing woman. I really appreciate everything about her. I, I, uh, we would. Uh, one of my favorite memories, just just as an aside, was sitting. Oh no, no, no! The name of the place escapes me. Oh Lord. Oh, it's a hotel on Ocean Avenue. It's a blue one. 
uh, a little north of the pier. Oh, I can't. It's one of my favorite places. And they have a patio. And in the wintertime, which is winter in L.A., right, they, they plexiglass right. it in. But in the summertime, it's open. And to go there before 9 a.m., like if you go there on a Tuesday, like it's 7 o'clock, you can park for free and have breakfast out on the patio and look at the ocean. And one of my fondest memories mm. was sitting with her and uh, – oh, no, I can't think of his name either. He's a great guy. The DP on one of the movies. Um, oh, the German guy. Um, oh, Jesus. Bernd it'll come Heindel. to me. Bernd Heindel? Pardon me? Bernd Heindel, something like that? Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. And we just sat on a Saturday afternoon uh, during happy hour and a couple of people that I knew uh, from Wisconsin had come out. And, uh, and so we, you know, I said, well, here's where we are. And so they came and they met Susan and Brent and, um, and, uh, and we just had a marvelous time right there, you know, hanging out and talking movies. So many years ago. There's nothing like talking movies. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> indeed, indeed. So when it comes to character development, either for the actor and you tr- you said, you know, you're trusting the actor, but, but in terms of your directing and or your screenwriting, uh, again, can I just pick your brain on uh, what you, what you think is important? Um, you know, I write a script. Well, I think everybody's, I think everybody sounds the same. You know, they, they come from my head as opposed to, you know, and, and some people write a script and you go, Oh my God, all these characters are unique and distinct and they're different and they're wonderful and marvelous. And, you know, and so, in terms of creating and crafting a character, both um, for the writing purpose or for an actor, what what uh, what advice or suggestions would you give both the writer or the actor or both? Well, again, you have to do a research on all these characters that are out there in the universe that intrigue you the most and base, base them and put them on your script without giving too much away. Um, it, again, it all depends on the genre. It's, it's, it's an open-ended question. Um, how how do I write these characters? I swear to you, because I've written so many, it just comes from my brain, wherever to this, to this, to this. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It just becomes like osmosis. Um, but in terms of directing, when you sit with an actor, you don't want to give him too much. You want him, you want him or her to go do the research on who they are, where they're from, their history, their background, and stop bringing in, create, give birth to the character. And I think you do the same thing when you're writing the character, like who the character is, where they're from. You know, what have they endured? Are they divorced? Are they widowed? Are they, you know, whatever. Do they have a good education? Not bad. Are they criminals? Are they not criminals? And you go do that research, the background, and it helps you create the character when you're writing it. You have to do a lot of research on each character, especially if they're anti-hero. If it's an anti-hero, you have to have that type of background in order to write about a character. I don't know well, if I, I answered your question. Well, yeah, no, you have. And, you know, and I think we could go further into it, but I, I appreciate that. I, I wrote a screenplay a while back, many, you know, a number of years ago, and, and I it, it had to do with a divorced couple. It had nothing to do with my divorce or anything like that. But, but my point is, you said it was a, a, a situation, a, a kind of a thriller thing, but the couple were divorced. And when I went back to the screenplay, I went, you know, the, the, the wife is being one-dimensional. You know, it, it was told from the guys. Ultimately, I changed it. It was first told through the, it was the, the ex-husband story. I later made it the son story about the parents. But, the, but my point is this. Um, 
I first read it from the guy's point of view, and the woman turned out to be kind of one-dimensional, kind of shrewish and uh, harpish and, and not nice, you know, or what we'd call a bitch or whatever. And and I went, you know what? This woman, you know, is trying to survive, and she loves the people that are involved. And and what we're not seeing is that she actually has a heart, and she loves. And what she's doing is she's doing from, you know, her reasoning and her fears and her hopes being dashed. And it's not that she's a shrew; it's that she's she's trying to get a particular objective. But it's 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 coming from the right place. But it's but it's the behaviors aren't aren't they're not coming. So I, I went back and, and started to re-script her so that instead of just being this kind of one-dimensional thing that you could see that she, she, was a, she was a good mom. She didn't like the husband, but she was a good mom. She was trying to do the right thing, you know. And then I, I changed everything again and, and made it the son. I mean, I didn't change that, but I made it up from the point of view of the son as opposed to the, the father's story. And, um, and again, so things had to change. But but I guess that's what I'm getting at, you know, because I, you know, it's it's too easy to write cookie cutter characters. I'll, I'll, let me let me say this: I think that um, once upon a time in Hollywood, there was a great risk at, at at having everybody be a caricature, and and yet whether it was written that way or it was brought to life by DiCaprio, I thought that the nuances of his character, you know, and Brad Pitt, it, you know, were just outstanding and remarkable in terms of of the dimension especially that leo brought to that to the to the performance absolutely i mean leo dicaprio deserved um an award and that's why brad pitt won an award because of his acting but these guys are masters of their craft i mean these guys are not independent at all uh my my answers to you were all about indie filmmakers and indie writing and indie all that stuff um, oh, of course. Because and then, well, and but, nowadays, now, nowadays you can't write a villain with just one dimension anymore. A villain now, when you want to make him interesting, you have to know that he has a family. At one point, he was loved. You know, why did he become a villain? So you can identify with the villain. You don't write villains anyway the way you used to write them in the seventies. Very one dimensional. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. You know, it I get really it. Doesn't Sorry, I didn't want to step on you. You're right. Well, I had an acting coach. Her name was Lillian Chauvin. I've mentioned her recently a couple of times, and I worked for her and, and taught directing and acting for her, and I taught her children's class and different things with her. Um, but what I learned from her, I mean, I, I, I studied the method with a number of different people and different approaches and blah, blah, blah. What I learned from her from the, from the very beginning was she said, never play the meaning of the word uh, as an actor because right. it's not interesting. And, and, and realize that if you're playing – a priest, don't act like you're godly because you're a human. If you're playing the villain, don't be bad. And I've always, and I've always, and I'm going to make a, a statement that a lot of people don't like, but, but Hitler had somebody who loved him, <laughs> you know, I mean, so whether or not he was lovable, you know, or, or lovable and an evil person, you know, but the point is, is that we all have redeeming qualities and we all have horrible qualities. And if we just lock into one aspect of, of it, so, you know, it was, it, it was, I was really grateful. I, 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 she became a friend of mine and a, and a, she was a mentor and a coach and a friend until the time of her death a number of years ago. And, uh, but I learned so much about being human from her as opposed oh. to just learning acting from her. And, and that was truly, truly a remarkable thing. So your point about not writing a one dimensional character and, or, you know, or an actor not playing a caricature of, 
you know, the bad person or the divorced wife or the superhero. Um, but to, but to, but to, to go beyond that is, is an important point. I appreciate that. No, no, it's true. I mean, if you, if you see the movie that with, uh, Noah Baumbach, I think it's called the divorce, uh, a divorce story, right. That came out last mm-hmm. year, this year. Have you seen it? Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, a marriage, a marriage story, a marriage, a story, marriage story. story. Yeah. With, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. If you see these two characters, one is played the the ex-wife of the divorcee wife, Scarlett Johansson, and then the husband right, is getting Driver, divorced. Right. Um, uh, what's his face from Darth Vader? Adam Driver, excellent actor. You feel for both of them, and you 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 say, "Wow, look at these two! They love each other, but they can't live with one another." And that's a that's the beauty of this film. It's so multidimensional. It's not just about a divo- two people getting divorced. It's two people literally you know, spiraling, spiraling down that path of, you know, the abyss and they love each other. You can tell they love each other, but they can't I, live I, with one another. And that's the beauty of the script. I truly appreciated that movie and I had no desire to see it. And I, the only reason I watched it was because I got it in, you know, my SAG uh, package of what I, you know, what to vote on. And so I watched it, and I, and I was blown away. It, it it became one of those where I went, wow! I you know yeah. a serious vote, a serious voting contender on, on on their performances, and I loved yeah. Leona. I, mean, I loved and I loved yeah. uh, Laura Dern. I mean, they 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 both of them. Laura Dern was out, won the award, but I mean, was outstanding. Yeah, they 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 tell it tells the story of their way of living, which is very realistic how attorneys, you know, what they do in terms of this type of situation, instead of helping it, they're actually helping the spiral. They're not helping the couple. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Oh, indeed. It's a, it's a very beautiful movie. Yeah, I, I was absolutely surprised and delighted by delighted in a, in a, in a movie sense, not by the, the, the difficulties they went through, but, but mm-hmm. uh, there have been, I mean, you know, you've mentioned a number of them, but there have been, I think that the movie's, of today have gotten really good and and I think yeah. television's even gotten better than the movies but the movies of today mm-hmm. um yeah I'm really impressed by what I I see and in, in a decade ago I was not very impressed with movies and and now I'm just like it seems like suddenly there's been a maturation in the entertainment business you know superheroes aside which there's nothing wrong with that I'm just but you know in terms of storytelling uh mm-hmm. the art of storytelling and the and the. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer. You. I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, let's. Every story has been told. <laughs> That's a good point. Right. right. Every story has been told. Every action movie, you know, you see the same thing over and over again. Whether every horror movie, every I mean, every story has been told. Nowadays, it's how you tell a story. I mean, really good viewpoint. I like that. I mean, think about it. You know, at one point. I saw one of the greatest war movies of all time called Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Which is a Spielberg movie. People remember right. that movie, right? Yeah, it's a great, absolutely. it's a great, well-executed, oh my God, very, very layered movie. Big budget. And then what came out last year was 1917, another war movie, but told right. very simplistically, kind of the same thing. You know, both of them have to go look for their brother's but told in different ways in a different era. If you really think about it, I don't know if you've seen 1917. Very, very simple movie. 
about a boy who's commissioned to go save his brother because they're going to be going into a lion's den with the German army in the front lines, blah, blah, blah. And the way Sam Mendes executed that movie is totally different from the way Spielberg executed Saving Private Ryan. War movie. Sort of the same type of story, but told in totally different ways. And two types of war. One is the Second World War, one is the First World War. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. I loved 1917. Um, I thought I, I, I put out on somebody's, you know, to, you know, it might be, you know, a perfect movie, you know, in terms of, of execution. Um, whether I felt the same as the Saving Bryant Ryan or something else, uh, you know, is another story. But I, I loved that movie. I, 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 I the, the technical execution of what they pulled off in that movie was, was amazing. Um, so 100%. I, you know, it's like what they did in the revenant. The revenant. Oh my God! Yes, yes. Again, executed and told in a form a new. It's called the nouveau way of filmmaking. You know, it's just different. But they also had the time to execute and to rehearse to execute the one shots and all that stuff. Same thing with Birdman. Remember Birdman? I do, and I love Birdman. Yeah. So it's, it's, like I said, it's all different styles of filmmaking. Filmmakers are developing into different types of storytellers. You know, just like nowadays people don't write like Shakespeare. There's different types and styles of writers telling stories in different ways. Same thing in filmmakers. They tell stories in different ways. And Sam Mendes, the way he executed that one shot, it looks like a one shot. I think there was three or four. But the way he executed that film and told that film from that point of view is totally different from the way Spielberg told that war movie, you know, with Save a Private Ryan. You know, him, it's an interesting way of showing how the movie, to tell a story about a war movie from that point of view, totally different. We haven't seen it that way before. You know? What I thought was, and I, and I appreciate that. I, what I thought was fascinating about 1917 was it was, I want to be careful here, but the equivalent of an IMAX movie without being an IMAX movie. It was like yeah. being in the front seat of a roller coaster. You were you were in the trenches with the with the people. You were running across the battlefield with them. I mean, even if you were in front of them, you know, looking at the guy running at you. Um, but when I was sold the moment, um, I was just. I'm gonna let my dog back out. We tried to come in because it's chilly, and now they want to go back out. They haven't finished playing. Um, I was sold in the opening of the movie where they they did the follow through the trenches and they I forget what they made they they dug like five miles of trenches or something like that and uh they went through the trench and I just went holy crap and I and I took a friend of mine who I thought would really love the movie when the movie was over he went yeah okay it was all right you know and I was like oh my god I am so blown away but I also I also looked at it like crap somebody had to dig all those trenches and they they followed this guy through the trenches and all that acting had to be choreographed and they had to know when the thing was coming through and, and all the stuff that was required to pull that movie off. Uh, it just blew me away. I just completely blew me well, away. And then they had to act and perform, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that movie cost $90 million, I think something like that. So they better pull off good trenches and good war <laughs> production designer who knew what he was doing in the wardrobe. They knew what well, they were doing. 
Yeah, you know, 90 million, you better execute a great movie. I don't care. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I'll give you another movie, not at all, not the same genre, similar to the opening, but not as elaborate, was uh, Stan and Ollie. Did you see Stan and Ollie? Stan and Ollie about Laurel and Hardy? Have I seen them? I can't remember. I can't recall. It was, um, oh my God. Uh, what's his name? Um, Stephen. Oh, geez. Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve Laurel. And the other guy was the, uh, oh, John C. What's his name? I have to look it up. I, I'm, I'm, Riley, you know, Riley, Riley. John C. Riley, right. Played uh, Oliver Hardy. If you haven't seen that, see it. It was the most unsung, uh, most bypassed, most overlooked, whether intentionally or otherwise, movie. But it is about the life, the end of life stage for Laurel and Hardy. And um, okay. it starts opening. I mean, they're just they're just doing a steady cam shot, you know, uh, while they walk and talk. But again, it was one of these, you know, opening shots that was very charming. And they're and they're, you know, in real time having to go through their be their characters while they go through a series of of moves. You know, it's one thing to learn, you know, a minute worth of dialogue and sit at a table. It's another thing to be, you know, walking and interacting and, and you know, uh, for a significant period of time and to be able to pull that mm-hmm. off and execute it with all the camera. You know this. I mean, you know what I mean? And so I just, I just sit yeah. there and go, oh, my goodness, this is marvelous. Because, yeah, because they have the budget and the time and all that stuff. You have to remember, when I shoot my movies, I don't have that luxury. <laughs> Well, I get that. I mean, I get that. And, and, there, and there's an important, but, but when we're talking about movies in general, and I want to come back to your movie, but, uh, you know, I, I brag about, you know, that I love the marvelous Miss Maisel on television because it's because yeah. of the way the whole thing is choreographed. And I just, just don't mean dance numbers choreographed. I mean, how the entire project is choreographed from start to finish, from episode to episode, from season to season. There's, there's a thought that goes into that. And that's going to be true to whatever budgetary consideration a person can have but like yourself you put a lot of thought and energy and effort into what you do um not everybody Mm -hmm. does but you certainly do of course 100 percent, man we 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 bring the team we put it together we you know isolate ourselves for a week or two weeks and we go shoot the thing and the the best way we can within the limits of our budgets and our time you know the you know when 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 sam mendes is shooting a 90 million dollar movie he takes six months and then he has the best of the best. He had the best DP in the world, Roger Deacon. I, I don't care right. what everybody says. He is, you know, these guys are masters, man. The, and if you have that type of budget, it's, it's a leisure, it's a pleasure, and it's a gift, and it's a wow. It's, uh, I wish I, I can only wish one day I can even reach that level. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's like crazy. That's very cool. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I, well, I, you know, I have this. I don't, I don't really have, my dream would be to be able to deliver the kind of effect that a movie like that or like Pirate Lion could deliver, but in in a much more boutique form, you know, I don't, I I don't feel like I'm the person to go out and direct a big action flick, or I'm not the person to go out and direct a big Marvel superhero flick. Or a transformer. I, I don't have the wherewithal or the knowledge or the know-how to, to even begin to think about how they do a lot, pull off a lot of that stuff. I'm impressed when I see it in many cases. Or I've also seen, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars movies 
that bombed, you know, <laughs> because the story's not there and they've wasted a lot of money. What was what was the one that everybody hated years ago? Was it 1941? That was Spielberg or something. Spent a lot of money, but it didn't. It, you know, they just the movie just wasn't there. I mean, everybody's had their dog movies, but uh, oh yeah, and some, somebody may have loved that one. I you know I shouldn't I shouldn't talk, but uh, <laughs> so so <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I always say, you know, most my my history is littered with crap. So, you know, it's just what it is. But uh, and it's always very cool to be able to work on something or work with people for which you feel proud and you feel part of something that's special and unique. And, you know, that's what you're doing now. Yeah. You're creating something special and unique with the people that are important to you. And um, so how do you how do you given given the, those constraints, you got the budget isn't there. And you've you've talked about how everybody pulls their own weight and more. Um, mm-hmm. The advice to now, I mean, because there are people here who who listen to this program who make big movies, and there are people here who are just starting out, and they're picking mm-hmm. up their cell phone and they're using their iPhone or their Android to make a a movie and editing it on that. What kind of what kind of ingredients do you? do you recommend in, if you can in outline form, whatever the genre is? I mean, you know, what, what, what would you recommend to people who, who want to learn the art of movie making and story? Let's not even call it movie making. Let's call it the art of storytelling. You, you have to be on set. You have to be on film sets. You have to shadow whichever department you want to be involved in. If you want to be in the makeup department, you have to shadow and be there. If you want to be in the camera department, you have to be there. If you have to be, if you want to be a director, you have to watch directors directing. You have to be on set. There's, you know, be even on commercials, be on uh, uh, movie, uh, your video, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, music videos. Um, right. I even take my own crew to the music videos that I do and the commercials that I do. I even do high-end commercials now because it's all about storytelling. You know, the commercial that I did, it's, um, it's, it's it it was compared to a Chanel. And it was oh, cool! In Michigan with limited budget. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and I saw that commercial. That is that is slick. That's very cool commercial. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful commercial. But you know, how did I come about doing this commercial? I sat down just like I was doing a movie. I came up with a concept. I presented it to the client. The client said, "Go for it." He gave me a budget, and we shot it in four days. And then it looked exactly the way I always thought it was going to look very close um but again it's it's storytelling in a very small because the whole commercial was three minutes and it's gotten 18 international wins for best commercial not one or two 18 it's one in romania and italy one in is everywhere and my client was very happy and i was very happy and it's actually enjoyable to watch (laughs) <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, it's, it's, it's because that's what you want to do. You want to tell, again, character without dialogue. It's two people meeting. And, you know, it's about this female chasing this guy down, thinking that he, she's after him, but she's after actually something totally different. Uh, right. You can watch this commercial on, on my personal YouTube uh, channel, Lance Kawas. If you go, it's somewhere in the world right now. You can watch it there. Um it's different from my YouTube channel. It's on my. Um, and so we'll uh, spell your name. It's L A N C E Lance and Kawas is K A W A S. K A W A S as in Sam. Right. So you can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on my channel. You can watch it on my webpage. My webpage also 
it's B as in boy, I as in indigo, J as in Jack, O and U as an umbrella, C-I-N-E, bijusin.com. So it has everything in it. And who I've worked with, my director's reel, the commercials, the music videos, it's got everything in it. B-I-J-O-U-C-I-N-E.com. Bijusine.com. Yeah, Bijusine. Yeah, Bijusine, which is people, French people, for don't, people probably don't remember the days of the Bijou, you know. <laughs> Bijou. <laughs> Bijou. Yeah, I know. Bijou. <laughs> Gazutai. Yeah, Gazutai, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. standing out here. The dogs are barking in the background, and it started to snow. We had just a, a massive a bit of flurries here just a moment ago. And now the sun is coming out, and the slurries are kind of stopping. So it was just amazing moments while you were talking. So what you were going to say? Uh, yeah, so people can check out the commercial and the music videos on my on my webpage, bijusin.com, so if they want to. I, I like what you say. I, I have um, been around grassroots filmmakers, novice filmmakers, student filmmakers, professional filmmakers, and in today, I mean, there's a lot of people who go, well, I'm not going to show up unless they pay me, you know, uh, a, a big uh-huh. amount. When I was a kid, right. a teenager, I, I mean, I, I snuck into, I was at Paramount and snuck into Elia Kazan's last tycoon set, actually interacted oh, oh. with Kazan and was on the set. And it was Robert Mitchum and Tony Curtis and a bunch of people. I mean, I was, I was you know, I, I, anytime I could, if I could get there legitimately, I would sneak into the studios. You could in those days. Mm-hmm. I would carry a clipboard. I'd walk in and they'd go, hey, where are you going? i go, uh, 19. You know, you carry a, a clipboard <laughs> and a pen. You look, like you're, you look like you work there. You look like you belong there. Um, I don't think that's yeah. going to work today with all this added security since 2000, you know, since the um, TSA and everything else. But ba- back in the old right. day, I'd just go through worker gates and, and bust my way through. And if you looked like you knew where you were going and you had a purpose, they right. assumed you worked. So I would spend all my free time, if I could, sneaking into the studio lots and, and getting on different sets, TV sets, movie sets. Uh, I would see friends of mine working productions and movies and say, can I come watch? They might be script supervisors or sound people or directors and, and just to spend time with them. And, uh, I'll tell you, it was, it was one, it was an invaluable education. Two, it was the ability to see how people work together. I mean, and from an outsider point of view, because if you're working a set, which I think is important, you know, you're busy, but, but to sit right, or right. Stand and see how everybody's doing something and how it all comes together and what's going on um, is, is equally important. So if you have the opportunity to be on a film set, I, I, I heartily agree with you there. If you can get on a film set yeah. and work it as a PA or as an intern or whatever department, I think that is uh, yes, really good advice. Very invaluable. Very, very, yes. You have to be on set. You have to know and see the functions of every department or how they're dealing with everything. It's very important. Yes, for sure. Well, let's, um, we've got about, about 14 minutes, 13 minutes, something like that left. Could we go back and talk about like Street Boss or some of your early features and how you how you got involved in in in, in uh, you, how you started your career and how you direct, how you got to direct features? Well, yeah, I mean, 
it's also, I, I started out as a screenwriter. I was just writing these indie scripts to no, to no avail. I didn't think there was anything coming out of it because all I did was get rejection after rejection. And then um, after writing, I don't know, after like 130, 100, I don't know how many rejection letters I used to get, one of them got nominated as a good script in one of these, you know, national screenplay competitions so i gave it to a local producer i said hey this won an award blah 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 he read it he came back to me he said listen i don't want to do this film but i want to do this horror movie can you write me something in a week i said what he said yeah it's a cheap movie write me something in a week so i went into a hotel room locked myself in for a week and i wrote this really terrible script for in, in a matter of a week to 10 days i remember and I gave it to him. He said, okay, this will do. He had a little bit of money. And then I said, well, listen, because I wrote, I really want to get to direct. He said, well, have you directed? I said, not really. He said, okay, well, we're going to try. We'll try. So there was two directors and I was one of them. And that was my first, um, very first film that I directed. Wow. It was a terrible movie. It's a terrible horror movie. But hey, it was my first day, first time getting my feet wet. And then and it just, started from there i started getting other gigs here and there and then i did street boss then i did the deported then i did restitution and then, then i did other movies i did two movies for tv not long ago for tv one they still play every year for christmas and for thanksgiving um and then you know it just blossomed into that slowly again it's like crawling up the ladder with your claws one step at a time it's so slow moving up it's crazy and it's very debilitating. It's very sad, but that's just the way it is until you get your chance to really get a really great script with really great producers who are going to propel your career. So we'll see. We'll see where this is all heading. Well, I, 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 I want to draw attention to something that you said that I, I think is really important. And um, I have a, a principle or philosophy for people who make it in Hollywood. And by Hollywood, I mean the film industry, not just Hollywood. And that is, it's called the last person in the room syndrome. And that is, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're there when everybody else is left, or you're going to get to write, or you're going to get to grip, or, you know, be the camera person. In other words, people approach the film industry with the idea that, well, I'll try it for a year, and if I don't make it, I'll go back home, or I'll do this, or I'll try it for five. It's the people who go, you know, I'm in for the long haul, and come what may, I'm going to do it. You said I had something like 130 rejection letters on screenplays. Some people stop after their first rejection letter. Some people, you know, make make Oh no, if you, yes. If you if you give up, you're dead. You have to have the fortitude and tenacity and the ability to just stomach the pain. You have to stomach it. You if you can't then you just not for you. Because there's so much rejection. Even the big guys get rejected. Because not everybody's gonna like what you write, not everybody's gonna like what you direct, it's just the way it is, you know. People didn't like, you know, Braveheart. There's people out there who didn't like, you know, uh, um, uh, Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves is one of my favorite all-time movies, but there's people who don't like that movie. Well, yeah. I I like that. It's it's true. No, it's true. I mean, you know, people didn't like Casablanca, you know, know, something. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't like. But, you know, the idea that you're going to work it and you're going to continue to develop and you're going to, I think that people who think that they have something to offer and they continue to hone their craft 
whether it's writing or, or camera or acting or directing or producing, whatever it may be, um, as long as they, as long as they stay in the game and continue to do what it is that they want to do nowadays, you can do more of it than you ever could before. Back in the seventies, you had to buy raw stock and camera equipment it was far more expensive than it is today in many ways to, to get things done. Now, you know, for, in some cases, low cost, you could, you can shoot, you know, like I said, on your camera, I mean, on your phone, but, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so there's, you know, but it's, it's the passion, it's the drive, it's the willing to be tenacious and stick through it without giving up or giving in or letting somebody rain on your parade. One thing you I can. learned, you can, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I did. Just one thing I learned, but I learned it way late was I was never rejected. They said mm-hmm. no. And I felt rejected. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. right for the part. They said no, and then I took it personally. And I and what I had to learn, and there was a long time coming, was to not take it personally. You know, people have different vignettes, like you say, different people like different movies. If they didn't think I was right for the part, why would I be disappointed in that? You know, but but for many years, I really, really, oh, I hated hearing the word no. I hated going on dishes because I go, oh, you know, the, so, so people need to learn that it, it's, it's not about you when you go to audition. It's about, uh, do you fit the project? And if you fit the project, you might get a chance to be in the project. If you don't, you don't. And just go, go to the next audition and keep trying until you, until you make it. Listen, um, this business, there's so much rejection that you have to have sort of the numb syndrome. You just have to be numb right. to it. And you, because like I said, I had, I can't remember like 130 31 rejection letters you know you know what your brain wow. says to you when you're taking a shower at the hundredth letter that you've been rejected right. and educated because i'm educated i went to the university of Michigan, one of the best universities in the country you know you know i put that on the you know i put that on, you know on a wall and i left banking for this and you're getting all these rejections you know it's very debilitating it's hurtful yeah so you can't give up because the moment you give up you're dead Nope. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And but and yeah. you know, and it's amazing. You know, I'm willing to bet you got 131 rejection letters, and then you got probably another hundred that you never heard from. Probably. And then you got, you know, I mean, you know, because I mean, like as an actor, they say thank you. Rarely do they say no. You know, or does somebody call you? Your agent will say, "Well, you didn't get the part." You know, if you ask, but nobody nobody calls you to say. No, we we went. A, I mean, it's in a great while. If we went in a different direction, if if you know, if they were pressed by, by me or something like that. But generally, you just never would hear. You just so to get a rejection letter is devastating. But the fact that you get a rejection letter is amazing. And then and then yeah. there are those people who don't even bother to write. They just go, yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> this is the people who don't even bother to just to email you back. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's just just the way it is. It's crazy. How it's so it's it's a very selfish business, and if you're not stronger than it, it it'll it'll hurt you. So you have to be very. It's an animal. You have to be careful. So I've learned in my own way to just I don't let it bug me. I just that's why I went and did my own thing with Dylan, and it's successful in its own way. You know this channel. It actually there's not even a studio. I rival all the studios in LA if they have this type of follows and all that stuff from YouTube. Some of them you have ten thousand followers. No, it's good. It's an I have 155,000 followers. Mm-hmm. 
Right, and forty million yeah. plus views. I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah. pretty darn cool. Well, you know, and bringing it full circle, I mean, which is really cool, is that, um, I mean, I used to say you could chain yourself to a studio gate, and they they would drive through on the drive-on lots, and they would look at you, and the birds would be picking your bones, and they wouldn't notice yeah. that you were there. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of the business. But that said, yeah. knowing that that is the case, and that you need to steel yourself against what we would call rejection and that kind of thing, it also should inform us what we need to do in order to to not only get positive attention, but to create positive relationships. You know, if somebody does something, be nice to them. If somebody does something, send them a thank mm-hmm. you email or card. I mean, there are ways of, of, of working with people today that will get people further along than, than having good practices, you know. Of course, you have to be sensible. I'm thankful either way, whether I'm rejected or not. You're rejected. I'm just that's just the way I am because right. I know I'm bigger than the situation. I'm just. You have to be. Uh, you can't be angry. You have to be. Uh, positive is the right word. You just have to be. Like I said, you just have to be positive the whole time, and then things will break through. Things will happen over time. But if you give up, if this is, if you think this is going to happen with you in one year or two years, then. You, it's not going to happen. It's going to take its time, man, to manifest. And you have to have people who are real deal people who are in your corner. You have to find them because in this business, it's not what you know. I don't care how great your script is. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Indeed. At the end of the day, it's just like the music business. You have to know certain people who really genuinely believe in you. And they're going to be maybe two of them or one of them. And that's it. And they, they, they may help you. They may not help you. It's just crazy. You know, no, but it is the relationships that you make and that you keep that are important and and yes. to to cherish those because you know uh if you burn a bridge, you burn a bridge, yeah, for sure, you have to maintain your relationships, you have to be professional, you have to be cordial, you know because at the end of the day, nobody's gonna sit and give you ten million dollars if you're not if you're not, if you are a, a useless untalented and nasty human beings it's just not going to work. You know? Right. I mean, you know, and, well, yeah. people will say, well, there are stars who are dirt, jerks and you go, yeah, but they, you know, the, the, they the, they, I, I guarantee the, you they weren't jerks in the beginning. <laughs> right. And, and it's also the exception. <clears throat> there are plenty yeah. of people who, who don't have careers because they were jerks and uh, any longer. And they're, you know, and, and you tolerate them, but you don't necessarily want to, um, I know people who've hired people, you know, they had to for whatever reason. And then all I hear are complaints about the person, how it was horrible being on set with them or whatever, whether they're cast or yeah. crew members. And, and, you know, that's, that's no way to spend your time. And that, you know, and that's, no. you know, and you're paying to do that. Think about that. You're paying somebody to aggravate you. It's crazy. I know it's, it's, it's really nonsense. And you, there's no room for that. You know, there's absolutely no room for that. Well, what you People have, have to be nice to each other, help one of them. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, what you have demonstrated, we've got about two minutes left. What you've demonstrated in the time that we talked is to make your own breaks. You know, you took, uh, you took an idea, you, you, you uh, made it happen, you did it, you put your own money, your own sweat into it, your own, you know, your own dream and your own passion, and you've built something and it's taken off, and, and you continue to do it and you continue to work. And and you continue to make connections and 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 be a good guy, a good person, with uh, you know. And we started off by talking about hey, this was an opportunity, and so 
you know, what I get from you is, is to make use of the opportunities that, that you find yourself in. Yeah. Not to just, and don't write about something you don't know about. Like don't, don't write about being an astronaut when you don't know anything about space, write about things that you're very familiar with to start with, you know, like for beginning writers, you know, the environment that you've lived, write about things that you know most about and create something beautiful around that as your first film. I think that's, I think that's truly an important piece. Um, I, uh, I, I love whodunits. I love thriller whodunit cop dramas, you know, that, that, you know, I can't write them because nowadays there's there's so much stuff and so much so many moving parts in that that, that 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 the amount of research I would have to do in order to to do that. But I could write about something else that I do know. So uh, while I love these, I haven't spent time, you know, learning enough about them, you know, in, in, to 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 make a successful one. Let me put it to you that way. Um, I so you. it's very good advice, Lance. I really do appreciate that. I also have You're to welcome. say that. I, that we're at that the, we're at the end of our time. Uh, it's bijoucine dot com. It's b i j o u c i n e dot com uh, is yeah. your website. They can go and find stuff out. They can find you on IMDb. They can go to YouTube and go to the the Revenge of the Mask film and sure. find your mm-hmm. channel. Huh? Yes, Revenge of the Mask film mm-hmm. on YouTube. And did I miss one? Is there another place that I? No, I mean, these two are pretty much, you'll find me, you know, IMDb, bijoucin.com, or Revenge of the Mask film on YouTube. Fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I've enjoyed the time. For me, the time flew by. I hope it did for you, too. And and I, uh, (laughs) I wish you the best. I'll talk to you in a little bit. But I really do appreciate everything. And congratulations on all of that. Uh, I've Thank I've so been uh, we haven't talked in a while, but I've been a fan from afar. I mean, we you know on Facebook, but but uh, looking at the YouTube videos, is, it's been it's been a delight of mine too to see that stuff coming along. So thank you very much for all the all thank the you thank you Rex and I thank you so much for your uh, help and belief and it's really cool that what you're doing. I hope uh, I hope you so much success out of what you're doing, man. You know we all need to help one another. It's 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 a beautiful thing. And and likewise, thank you so much. Um, and and uh, I will say so long for now and close out the show. And I'll talk to you in a little bit. Thanks, Lance. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Bye. Lance Kawash, uh, my guest, uh, an incredibly fascinating uh, uh, filmmaker, screenwriter, a man of many hats and many talents. I hope you've enjoyed it as, nearly as much as I have. And uh, and I, and I'm thrilled. My I, and, I, and I'll end there to say that my next guest is Todd Robinson. He's been a guest before. His film, The Last Full Measure, I believe, uh, was in theaters in January. Uh, an amazing movie, and it's coming out. And he's going to be my guest. I know it's a Friday. I believe the 17th. We go live. All these shows are recorded. The very link you're listening on this one, whether live or recorded, uh, is the same in every case. You just hit the link. You can listen to it live when it airs, or you can listen to it recorded anytime, 24-7 after that. Please share this information with other people. Share the link. Share Facebook, LinkedIn, by email, but, but spread the good around. If you found an interview or a guest fascinating, please let me know. You can leave comments and uh, here or on Facebook or anywhere. But uh, thank you so much, and that's a wrap. <laughs>